0: John's Gospel contains unique material about Jesus' life and ministry, while omitting other aspects of it that Matthew, Mark, and Luke include. For example, John has no account of the birth, baptism, or temptation of Jesus. John introduces Jesus Christ to the world by linking him to the Logos, which was a Greek concept that connected with the most sophisticated philosophical thinkers in the first century. John opens with a flashback to Genesis and the creation story by saying, in the beginning was the Word. John states his purpose at the end of the book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Welcome to another Something Good Radio message with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, Jesus spoke those words just before he ascended into heaven. We find them recorded in Acts chapter one. This set the stage for all that followed. Ron takes us there next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66 the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org, where you can listen to the broadcast on your schedule. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's join Ron for part two of his Something Good Radio message, Acts, You Shall Be My Witnesses.
0: During his second missionary journey, uh, Paul returned to the churches he planted in Asia Minor. He encouraged believers. He also responded to what's known as the Macedonian call. He was trying to discern the Lord's will. Do I go here? Or do I go there? And a real interesting passage of Scripture there, um, Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 10. Check it out. Paul says, you know, we thought we were going to go over here geographically, and the Spirit of Jesus resisted us. And then he says, we, we tried to go over here, and the Holy Spirit said no. And then at night, he had a dream, and there was a Macedonian man in the dream saying, come this way, come this way. And Paul put two and two together and said, I guess the Lord wants us to go to Macedonia. Uh, We often refer to that as as one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways God leads us through open and closed doors. Pay attention to that sometimes. And um, Paul finds, uh, as he goes to Macedonia, uh, a woman named Lydia in Thyatira, She was a businesswoman, and her household believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and were baptized, Um, and there were other things. Other highlights of Paul's uh, second journey include his visit to Athens. He goes to the great city, the great Greek city of Athens, and it says in chapter 17, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Every time I read that, I think to myself, is, is my spirit so aligned with the spirit of Jesus that when I see uh, idolatry or anything that offends the holy God of the Bible, that my spirit is provoked from within? And when it's not, I, I, I realize maybe just how far I've drifted away from him. Paul goes to Athens, and uh, he, he's just appalled by the idolatry. He stood in the, in the public marketplace known as the Areopagus. I, I've been there to Athens. I've been to the Areopagus. It, it was basically a, a, a first century uh, Greece shopping mall right down the hill from the Parthenon. And he stood in that public place and testified to uh, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he addressed the men of Athens about the unknown God. There was a statue to the unknown God. Athens uh, didn't see a God they didn't like. They had so many gods, all the Greek mythology and the Greek gods. And then they finally just said, you know, there's so many. Here's, here's the, the statue to the unknown God. And Paul said, hey, I think I can use that and talk to you about the, the God who is known and who made himself known uh, to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm just impressed how, how Paul goes into the public square and testifies boldly to his faith in Christ. From Athens, he makes his way to Corinth and met uh, Jewish tent makers named Aquila and Priscilla. They joined Paul's ministry team. And Aquila and Priscilla also mentor a guy named Apollos, who's known as an eloquent man and competent in the scriptures. But Apollos needed some additional training, and so they, they, they come under the tutelage of Aquila and Priscilla. Paul stayed for 18 months in Corinth, and uh, he writes two letters that we have in the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians. It says there in chapter 18 and verse 5, he, he was testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Again, he stays on message. Uh, none of the apostles, Peter, Paul, or any of the others, veered off their message. It was always Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead. They proclaimed it everywhere they went. On his third missionary journey, Paul traveled to the Asian city of Ephesus. Again, I've been to Ephesus. It's on the uh, western coast of modern Turkey. The ruins there are fabulous. You just get the sense of this incredible city called Ephesus. And Paul planted a church there. And uh, we have a letter uh, known as the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. He stayed in Ephesus for three years, longer than he stayed at any of his uh, Uh, churches, and and some say he planted up to 14 churches. He stayed at Corinth for 18 months. He stayed at Ephesus for three years uh, before revisiting Macedonia and Greece. While in Ephesus, Luke says God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And at the same time, Paul took aim at the idol worshipers, Luke says, resulting in no little disturbance concerning the way. Listen, if you're afraid to disturb the status quo in people's uh, faith lives, you'll lack the boldness to be uh, a witness for Jesus. Paul was never concerned about that because truth was on his side. He believed what he believed and uh, he wasn't rude about it in any way, shape or form, but he was bold. And he was brave. And uh, there were times that it disturbed people. Now, Acts chapters 21 through 28 take us, um, well, to Paul's final days, including his last witness in Jerusalem. Uh, He he wanted so much to go to Rome and take the gospel there. That that really signified to him the ends of the earth and the center of Greco-Roman thought. And he got there, but by way of Jerusalem. He went back to Jerusalem, and he was talking to the early church uh, leaders there, including uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus. And that's when an angry Jewish mob rose up and wanted uh, him arrested for allegedly bringing Gentiles into the temple. I mean, can you imagine, you know, that he would be accused of doing such a terrible, horrible thing? When the tribune of the Roman cohort learned of a plot to assassinate Paul... Well, Paul was arrested, and the Roman cohort uh, sent uh, their prisoner to Felix, the governor in Caesarea, where Paul uh, remained for two years. And during that time, Paul defended the Christian faith before Felix and uh, Festus and King Agrippa, who uh, sarcastically said to Paul, do you remember the conversation Paul had with Agrippa? And uh, Paul was waxing eloquently about his own personal testimony of how he came to faith in the risen Christ and met him on the road to Damascus, and he preached Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. And at the end of all that, King Agrippa says in Acts 26 and verse 28, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? Like how, how presumptuous of you, Paul, to think that I would hear your story and respond to it. We, we don't know if Agrippa ever put his faith in Christ. But at that moment, uh, he he resisted. Paul used his Roman citizenship, and he was a Roman citizen by birth. He used that to appeal to Caesar any way he could. He wanted to get to Rome. And Agrippa granted the appeal and sent Paul to Rome, fulfilling uh, The apostles' long desire to witness for Christ in the eternal city. Agrippa even said if if, if Paul hadn't appealed to Peter, we would have let him, you know, set him free. But Paul arrives in Rome, and the Roman authorities placed him under house arrest, where he awaited his trial. And that's kind of where the book of Acts ends. Um... One indication that, that points to the fact that the timing of Luke's writing is uh, somewhere in the mid to late AD 60 is that Luke never mentions um, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. He never talks about uh, Nero and the persecution that uh, he, he unleashed on Christians in Rome. He never talks about uh, Paul's beheading although we think Luke was there when it happened. But this is where where Acts ends. It ends kind of just leaving it out there. And some have dubbed Acts chapter 29 as the continuation of the church. And we're part of Acts 29 and the continuation of the church. Much more can be said about the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys Uh, He suffered much for the sake of Christ. We we could talk long about that. In fact, if you go back to his conversion in chapter 9, a guy named Ananias who took young Saul, this new convert who was met with skepticism by the church, took him under his wing a little bit because the Holy Spirit said to Ananias of Saul, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Paul wrote about some of his trials and tribulations and sufferings in his second letter to the Corinthians chapter 11. You can check it out sometime. The beatings and the floggings and the dangers. Just all that he went through. You don't do that if you don't really believe what you're talking about. You just don't. I mean, he had a cushy life as a Pharisee among Pharisees. Why would he do this? Because he met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus
1: still ahead the second half of today's something good radio message with dr ron jones the pastor at atlantic shores baptist church in virginia beach virginia something new is happening at something good visit our website somethinggoodradio.org where we've released a brand new streaming platform for something good radio and something good television or what we're calling SGTV. There you'll also find Something Good Travel, Something Good Courses, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Watch, listen, and download for free. That and a lot more is available now at somethinggoodradio.org. We have a great resource to share with you today, yours for your donation to Something Good Radio. Dr. Ron Jones has written a downloadable ebook. That goes along with his current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The latest in this series of ebooks is based on the four Gospels and the Book of Acts. Request your download today for your donation to Something Good Radio. Donate online at SomethingGoodRadio.org or mail your gift to PO Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Or you can call our offices at 757 276 1099. Now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message. Acts, you shall be my witnesses.
0: Paul writes or or speaks uh, to the Ephesian elders as he was leaving the church in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. Listen to this. He says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I love that. Paul says nothing else matters but me fulfilling the purpose for which God created me and the ministry to which he gave me. Nothing else matters to Paul. He gave himself to it, that exclusively. Jesus said, um, you shall be my witnesses. Let me ask you a question. If the growth of the church, then or today, depended on your witness, how much would the church grow? Would anybody come to faith in Christ? Uh, To be his witnesses implies um, we're kind of out there public about our faith, I hope you're not a secret service Christian where nobody knows of your faith in Christ except when you get around other Christians <laughs> in the safety of the church. They didn't have, you know, well, they met house to house, and, you know, but, but they were out there putting their faith into action, boldly proclaiming the gospel wherever they went that initial public outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that's for you and for me as well. It happens at the moment of salvation if I understand the New Testament correctly. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our salvation. And he comes to empower us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got all the resources you need to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. You've got the Holy Spirit and you've got all the Holy Spirit you're ever gonna get question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? That's a whole different matter. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to where every pore in your body oozes with the power of God because you've yielded yourself to him without equivocation. Nothing else matters in life but fulfilling the purpose for which I was created and the ministry to which I've been called. Starting in Jerusalem, you know where your Jerusalem is? Take one step out your front door, your neighborhood, your community, the city in which we live. You shall be my witnesses, Jesus says. How? Let me just leave you with three words. First, believe. Believe like they believed. It wasn't just a casual you know, kind of head thing they did where they checked the theological box and said, yeah, I can align with that. There's nothing casual about this. When they believed it was their head, there was no intellectual incongruity with them, but it was their heart, and it was their will. They were all in. And you can see because of, of how they put their faith into action. So Believe. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, make today the day of your salvation where you come humbly before the cross of Jesus Christ admitting that you're a sinner who needs a Savior and that your only hope is the one and only name under heaven by which you must be saved and that is the name of Jesus Christ. Secondly, after you believe, be bold. (laughs) Be bold. I mean, these guys, they weren't rude. I, I, I don't read that into the text. But they were bold. We must obey God rather than men. There's a line in the sand there. Uh, You know, wherever the chips may fall. Uh, They weren't secret service Christians, no such thing. In fact, to be baptized in the first century meant going public with your faith and it might cost you something. Today, we're so concerned about whether the water is warm enough Really? By the way, the Jordan River is ice cold. In case you ever go to Israel with us, and we do baptize there just, just for whatever. So believe, be bold, and be brave. I, I get that from these guys. I suppose you can be bold and still be, you know, shaken inside, but be brave because nothing else matters, right? There's no reason to fear what men can do to you. Fear what God can do. And put your faith and your trust in Him and in Him alone. The one who defeated death and sin at the cross. And the only one who walked right out of that grave. And that means there, there is no discussion or comparison about Jesus and Muhammad or Jesus and Confucius and Jesus and this and Jesus and that. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus and Jesus alone. And these guys, listen, you you don't go to a martyr's death. Tradition says that every one of the early followers, the disciples, the 12, died for their faith, shed blood for their faith. You, You don't do that for a lie. You don't do that for a half-truth. You don't don't do that to try to spin something out there that everybody knows isn't true. You do it because they were there, eyewitnesses. They saw him, and it changed their life. You shall be my witnesses, Jesus says. Ready to sign up? I hope so.
1: Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message. Acts, you shall be my witnesses. Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. And Ron, there is so much here in the book of Acts. It's hard to narrow things down to one question. But a consistent theme is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God himself to transform lives. And the one who comes to mind, at least to me, is Saul. His conversion is so dramatic. His encounter with God, so profound. It seems Saul had no choice but to convert to Christianity. I guess
0: the question I have is, did he have a choice? Wow, that is such a great question, Brian, and a challenging one, too. You've put all of our big toes in the deep end of a conversation about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, a conversation that's been going on for at least 2,000 years of church history. I'm not sure that I'm going to solve it today, but... um, I'm sure many of our listeners remember the line from the Godfather, I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. But here's the thing. Uh, This was not the Godfather who uh, addressed Saul on the road to Damascus. This was God the Father. Uh, You see the difference there? Yes, it was a dramatic scene. Yes, it was so profound you wonder how anyone could possibly say no. But there's always a choice to make not only about uh, placing our faith in Christ, but also about following him and how we will do that after we place our faith in him. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man has uh, created much debate and much discussion. I, I, I see some people running... Hard to one side or the other. Some are kind of hardline sovereignty of God people and leave little room for discussion about the free will of man. And at the opposite end, there are people who are hardline free will people who leave little discussion or room for the sovereignty of God. What I see in Scripture is an intentional tension between the two. It's kind of a both hand. I could argue uh, vehemently for the sovereignty of God in all matters, including salvation, which leads you into conversations about predestination and election and calling and all of that, words and concepts that we find deeply rooted in Scripture. But I also see places where um, it says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And I see even in the creation story, Adam given a choice about how he will respond to the limitations of his time in paradise so it's kind of a both and Um, where i land uh, again is with an intentional tension where it is not god's intention for us to solve or release the intention just accept it by faith that god is both sovereign and man has a measure of free will at the same time god is completely sovereign in all matters completely sovereign in salvation But he has introduced a measure of free will in a way that he has never compromised his sovereignty um, or diminished it in any way. How's that, Brian, for splashing around in the deep end a little bit? When it comes to salvation and sanctification, God does the heavy lifting. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. But in between, all of us, including Saul, have a choice to make. And I'm so glad Saul chose to live his life the way he did because, well, it shows us once again that with God, no one is beyond redemption.
1: That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts about the dramatic conversion of the Apostle Paul. Ron, in our next broadcast, you'll be embarking on road trip number seven on our road trip through the Bible, the Pauline Epistles. Up first, the book of Romans. What can you tell us about this upcoming message?
0: Brian, I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, but I have, and I can tell you nothing compares to seeing it with your own eyes. A thousand pictures do not come close to capturing its beauty, its mystery, and its elegance. And the same thing could be said about the New Testament book of Romans. It's the Grand Canyon of the Christian faith, Uh, the Christian manifesto, if you will. Now, it's true the book uh, can be a little intimidating to read. There's no question about that. But over the next couple of days, I'll try to unpack it in such a way that the key points of this theological masterpiece are a little easier to understand and apply. That's where we're headed next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Join us
1: then for something good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Romans, the Christian Manifesto. But Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.